Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hello, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail, and we are the active voice of aging for women over 70, aging reimagined. We are delighted to welcome you today to our podcast and to this episode. Each week we showcase vital women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, and who continue to shatter the myths that we become invisible as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest is not scripted, but we have agreed upon several themes in advance. And today, we're very happy to be launching a new series to complement our weekly podcast, and we're honored to welcome Sky Bergman as our first advocate for women aging. So Sky is an internationally known filmmaker, photographer, videographer, author, whose quest for a good photo has taken her to Burma, Cuba, France, Italy, Greece, to name a few places in the world. So in 2017, Sky's feature documentary, Lives Well Lived, became a powerful voice for celebrating the secrets, wit, and wisdom of age. The documentary presents 40 adults, ages 75 to 100, who share their secrets and insights to lead a meaningful life. And Sky says, their intimate memories and inspiring personal histories will make you laugh, perhaps cry, but mostly inspire you. Well, I experienced all three emotions when I saw a screening a few months ago, and I found your documentary so inspiring that Gail and I decided we had to invite you as a guest. Now, even though you can tell Sky is not 70, 80, or 90, she's in her 50s, um, and, and we are now, we'll be talking with, with people who are subject matter experts in some aspects of aging. And we want to thank you, Sky, for helping us to launch Advocates of Women Aging. Well, so thank we, you. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we're delighted. Uh, we'd like to start with the, the origin of the documentary, which I think began when you were filming your 99-year-old grandmother cooking and working out at the gym. So tell us the story. Yeah, sure. So I, I should say that before I did this film, I really had never shot any video. I'd been a still photographer for many years. And my grandmother, when she was 96, came out from, she lived in Florida. She came out to visit me in California for the very first time. And she spent the next four summers, the month of August with me in California, which if any of you have been in Florida the month of August, you know it is a good time to leave. And she was an amazing cook but she never wrote a recipe down just as most cooks don't. And so I realized that that was her way of showing her love was through her cooking and through her food. And so I thought I'd better film her because I really wanted to capture that. And I, I was not, she never had a recipe. So it was a handful of this and a spoonful of that. And 
videoing her seemed like the best way to capture that. And um, so that was really how I started kind of interacting with my grandmother in that way. And story, you know, she would tell stories and I would collect those stories while she was cooking. And then when she was getting ready to turn 100, um, she was 99, she was still working out at the gym, which I should say, she started working out at the gym at the age of 80. So it's never too late to start working out at the gym. Yes. And and she had a great phrase, move it or lose it, which I often think of when I'm too lazy to go work out. Um, But anyway, I I decided I'd better film her. And um, she, I had a mic on her, thankfully. And I said, Grandma, can you give me some words of wisdom? And she said like things like be kind and live life to the limits. And that was really the beginning of the film, although I don't think I realized it at that point. But I came back from that trip and I put together a little one minute video clip of her working at the gym and her words of wisdom. And I was looking at approaching 50 and looking at what the rest of my life I wanted that to look like. And I decided to email my friends, family, and all the alum that I've taught over the 26 years I've been at Cal Poly. And I said, I have this crazy idea for a project and I wanna find other people out there that are real inspirations. And here's a link to my grandmother's video. And if you have somebody in your life that's as much an inspiration as she is to me, please nominate them. And the wonderful thing was I was just inundated by heartwarming nominations from across the country. And um, that was really the beginning of the project. So how many women did you actually include in in the uh, film? Well, I had 40 people um, total. I think probably two thirds of that were women. I do think that um, women tended to be better storytellers <laughs> and that's probably why. Um, but it was, it was a really wonderful project. I feel like I have um, 40 new elders, new grandparents that I, I call on uh, all the time for advice and help. So when, when you and I talked some time ago, you were telling me a little bit about this as it's certainly a labor of love. And that it was, uh, it's not something that happened overnight, that this project took a few years to come to fruition? It did. It took five years um, total, four years of filming, and then another year of editing. Um, I think that's because I had a full-time job. And I also didn't go into it thinking I was going to make a documentary feature-length film. Um, I thought it might be a web series, but I had this moment when I was interviewing one of the people in the film was this woman, Marion Wolf, who um, came from Vienna, Austria during World War II on the very first kinder transport um, to the United Kingdom. And at that point, for those of you that don't know what the kinder transport was, the um, Quakers in the UK were trying to rescue as many kids as they could from Germany and Austria. And they were able to rescue 10,000 children. And she was on the very first one out of Austria. And she still had the cardboard number that they put around her neck when she was eight years old. And there's something about that moment when she brought that out when I was interviewing her that I realized this film is about their wisdom, but also about the amazing stories and things that they went through. And it's a story of resilience, which we need that more now than ever. And um, I really, I kind of made a big pivot and realized that it needed to be a feature length film so more people could see it. And so that was that, that moment when that happened. So glad you did. <laughs> you know, that story is um, just to mention that one of our guests, Gerda Bernstein, is 97, and she was on the last kinder uh, train coming out of Germany. Um, so what, what's been your reception? What's been the reception to the lives well-lived? Well, it's been incredibly positive. I think that um, one of the things that I ask when I have 
um, people watch it is I see how many of you are thinking of somebody that would have been perfect for the film or you would have been perfect for the film. And I would say in an audience, usually about 99% of the hands go up. And so I think that one of the wonderful things is that the film connects you to somebody in your life um, that is uh, that you, you think is really an inspiration. And uh, if that's all that does, it's great. But we're also doing um, intergenerational projects where we're showing the film to high school and college students with elders at the same time and having them buddy up and um, ask the questions that I asked in the film of each other and then doing presentations at the end of like a quarter or a semester. And so we're making these wonderful connections because in some ways I feel like I'm combating the idea of ageism, one story and one connection at a time. And like anything else, when you know somebody, it's a really much more difficult to say, oh, that's that group and I don't like them. But you know, when you know somebody on an individual basis, it's very different. And I also think, um, I was lucky that I grew up with my grandparents and my great-grandmother. I don't think that a lot of um, younger people these days have that connection as much. And so to have that connection happen, I mean, I've had people come up to me after we've done these projects, and they are amazed at how much they learned, how much the people that were older than them were so much the same, that the only difference was really the age and how much they could learn from each other. And that's just so heartwarming for me to have that happen. Are there any stories that kind of stand out in your mind for about the intergenerational? Well, I think the biggest thing is really, um, actually it was one of my assistants who was a student of mine at the time, went on an interview with me and um, he went on to Lucky Louie's uh, interview, which is, he's the guy that makes mozzarella in the film. Wonderful man. He still is making mozzarella every day and he's almost 98 now. Um, but this young student of mine at, at lunch said to me, wow, I, I didn't realize that older people talk so much and had so many interesting things to say. And I said, well, don't you have somebody in your life? And he said, well, I have, a, I have a grandfather, but I don't really talk to him all that much. And I said to him, well, here's the questions. When you go home the next time, take these questions and sit down with your grandfather and do an interview. And he came back from his trip home with a grin from ear to ear because he finally made a connection with his grandfather. I think they just never knew where to start the conversation or um, how to even begin to talk to each other. And this just kind of opened the floodgates for them. And what a wonderful gift that was for him and for me to see that happen. What are some of the questions you recommend? Well, I think, you know, that is the hardest part when you sit down and you say to somebody, well, tell me something about yourself. And it's so wide open. So um, one of the things we ask things like, um, tell me three fun or interesting facts about you. That always opened up the door for um, some interesting questions and answers and um, things like, uh, what do you think is a life well lived? What do you wish younger people understood about life? You know, you can look back and, and see what you wish you would have known when you were younger. Um, what technological things have been the most important during your lifetime? What historical things? The other question that I asked, which I think is really important and we don't deal with it enough in our um, society is what do you think about your own mortality? And I will say that my dad was one of the people that I interviewed for the film. And um, he is a geriatric physician and he has been his whole career. Um, he's had several strokes. He actually is practicing from a wheelchair, practicing right now in the midst of all of this um, that's going on. And um, I think as a daughter, I would have been uncomfortable asking him that question, actually. But as an interviewer, it made it okay. And we had one of the best conversations we've ever had. And it opened up this space that allowed us to communicate about something that I think has 
for whatever reason, become kind of taboo. But now I know what his wishes are, and I'm very clear about that, and so is he. And we, what a gift that we were able to have that conversation. Um, so, you know, that's what I say is the, the questions that I asked are all on our website um, because one of the things that I realized is that I had to stop interviewing people when I reached the number 40 or I would never have gotten a film done. Um, but I wanted the project to continue going and to have a life beyond the project or the film. So it really is a project. And so we've posted all the questions that we asked so that people can use that as a starting point to ask their loved ones, you know, some of these questions and to start that conversation going. And then don't be afraid to pivot off of those questions and uh, ask the follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. Good. And we will post uh, your website to the, to the uh, episode notes. So everyone will be able to access that. Uh, I was just wondering, are there any particular lessons that you've heard from the people you've interviewed and made, let's say especially the women? Well, there's a couple of things. The three common elements that everybody had in common was that they had a strong support group. It didn't necessarily have to be family, which was interesting. It could be friends, but they all were connected. I mean, even in this time, um, I think all of them stay connected even by phone or by Zoom. So they have people that are checking in with them. I think the second thing is that they all wanted to learn something new every day or give something back every day. So that sense of purpose is really important. And then I think um, thirdly, and it's a cliche, but there's a good reason it's a cliche, is that they all saw life as a glass is half full rather than half empty. And I think of the things that these people went through, like Susie Edel Bauman in the film, who was interned during World War II and lost her husband who went to fight in the war, or you know, Marianne Wolf leaving her mom at the age of eight and, and not knowing if she was ever gonna see her again. I mean, you just you think that, wow, this this really could have made somebody very bitter or very um, mean-spirited, and they're not like that at all. I mean, they look at the positive things that happened rather than the negative things. So, I mean, those are all things that made them who they are, but they, they tend to dwell on the things that are positive. And then I think for me personally, um, the thing that I learned the most was actually from Blanche Brown, which is just to really enjoy every moment. And even now, um, in the midst of this craziness that we're all going through, I'm lucky that I can go for a walk um, outside. And I just take the time to look at the sun and the leaves and the, and the beauty that I'm surrounded by. And um, so I feel very grateful that I've learned that to, to really just enjoy the moment and that sense of gratitude. One thing that struck me when I when I was watching the film was the sense of humor that almost everyone had. They were they just tickled me. They were wonderful. I think the whole idea of communication, especially among the younger younger uh, generation to the older generation, there is this sense I I think of of children not knowing how to talk to grandparents what to say to them. And what you're doing is, I think it's remarkable because you're enabling the grandparents and the grandchildren to talk with each other. Yeah, it just gives them a starting point. And I think, you know, I know like I had a grandfather who came over here from the Polish-Russian border and he would never talk about his experiences. And so I feel, and he died when I was only 12, I didn't really have that chance to ask him some of these questions, but I feel like, I, if I had known and I had a better framework, I, you know, that's what I, I, I wish I had had that. And so I'm glad that I can provide that to other people to start that conversation and that dialogue because, you know, it's very interesting, but people told me very intimate stories. And I think that they 
opened up because they knew how passionate I was about the project and how much I loved my grandmother. And she really was my hero and um, the person that I looked up to the most. And I, I think they could feel that and sense that. And so it allowed them the space to open up and tell these stories that in some cases people hadn't ever told before. And I think um, my, my one line is, well, I have a lot of one-liners, but one of them is that everybody has a story to tell if we just take the time to listen. That there's somebody, everyone has at least one interesting, amazing thing that's happened to them. And we don't always take the time to listen. And right now we all, that's all what we have is time. So mm-hmm. you, know, you could get on a Skype or a Zoom call and ask your loved ones these questions and have these conversations that maybe you wouldn't have had the time to do otherwise. And um, you know, and learn something really that, and bring, it brings you closer together. I think when you do that. I agree. You know, my, my mother's 94 and she lives in a assisted living and uh, she's now, she's participating with us by zoom or face uh, FaceTime. So we're trying, we're asking her questions again about her earlier life, growing up on the farm, being one of 14 kids and uh, living in the same community most of her life. And now when we ask her about certain things, she'll say, well, I don't remember. So we remember and we give her a prompt and then she can talk about it. And then that, <laughs> so. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You're taking the, the project, the, the documentary, and you're bringing it into the intergenerational space. You have other projects you're working on? Um, yeah, I, you know, as an artist, you always have other projects that you're working on. I will never be bored in my lifetime, I don't think. Um, so I did two short films that were that sprung out of the Lives Well Lived project. Um, one of them was based on Susie Edo Bauman, who is um, Japanese American, and her family gets together every year the week between Christmas and New Year's and celebrates by making mochi. They have a, what's called a mochi suki festival. And I love this bringing together of generations through food, I guess, because I did that with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that will at some point become a feature length film. Right now, it's just a short just of that, but I'm looking at other cultures that come together through food and how we bring the generations together. Um, and the other short film uh, that I just did was a film about voting and trying to get young people to vote. The League of Women Voters here is, and one of the people in the films involved in this is going into the high schools and educating students about voting and their right to vote and why one vote really matters. And I, again, love that intergenerational connection. Um, the students told me afterwards, because I interviewed all of them, that it's one of the first times that they feel like they're really taken seriously as an adult when they sign that piece of paper or register to vote. And um, the fact that people are coming in from the outside that are not their teachers, not their parents, really validates who, who they are. Um, But the next big project that I'm going to work on that'll be a feature length film is all about love. One of the things that I really enjoyed in the Lives Will Live film is when people would talk about how they met and how they sustained those relationships. And you could actually see the twinkle in their eye as they're talking about how they met. Um, One of my favorite is when um, Emmy and Bob Cleves talk about it and um, uh, Bob says, oh, and then I saw this blonde babe across the room and Emmy says, and then I saw my soulmate. And I just think it's so <laughs> interesting to hear the difference, but also they've been together for over 50 years and they talk about appreciating each other's differences and, um, and really learning to love each other's strengths and how that brings them together. And so I think we all want to be in some kind of a relationship and I, and, um, and want love. And so that's kind of the, that'll probably be the next 
feature length film when we come so out. Will this focus on older people or, or all ages? All different ages. I mean, I will have some older couples that have been together for many, many years, but I also think it'll be interesting to see young love and, um, you know, just, it'll, it'll be a, a wide variety, but uh, that's in the very infancy stages. So oh, we'll see exciting. how that goes. <laughs> I'm curious to know how you are now thinking about aging in terms of all these people that you've interviewed. Yeah, one of the things that um, it has changed for me in terms of my perspective is that, um, not that I was afraid of it before, but I'm certainly not afraid of it now. And I see um, what people have done. I mean, like, you know, my, my friends will all admit as you age, sometimes you lose um, certain strengths, you know, physical strengths, but you're sharper in other ways. You have more wisdom. And um, I find, like, for me personally, I've been teaching at the university for six, 26 years. I'm a much better teacher now than I was when I first started teaching. And that's because I've had years of experience and I'm uh, happy to be able to share that and give that back. And so um, I think it's really changed my attitude about what I can do and what I want to do really with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You started asking that question. Uh, well, I, I think you said it cer certainly at the, when you were starting to film your grandmother, but yeah, my mid forties, I think, is when I started asking that question. Yeah, <laughs> and, the existential and, yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I think you, you know, you reach a point in your career. I mean, at least for me, this is what happened. I reached a certain point in my career. My kids were grown. Um, you know, what is that next phase going to look like? Mm -hmm. And we all want to feel like we are giving back in some way. And what was my way going to be? And I think that I found my path, which is that I'm a good storyteller and I can bring people mm -hmm. together. And so that's where I see the next phase of my life being. Yeah. Yeah. It is really beautiful. It's just terrific. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and one other question, and that is the, um, the, the people that you've interviewed, is there something that stands out for you that, that besides uh, looking at things from a, from a positive point of view, is there anything else that stands out for you that makes them vibrant, interesting people still at, at their ages? Well, I mean, I'll tell you the story of my grandmother, which is she always used to say that the old lady didn't want to die because she had something new to learn every day. Yes. And, um, and she also would, I mean, I thought this was hysterical because she would call me up and she would, I talked to her every day and she would say, so how's that project with the old people coming? And I wanted to say to her, grandma, you're the oldest of the old people, but she <laughs> never thought of herself that way. And I think that that's part of it. You know, she, one of her other words of wisdom was to always make younger friends. I mean, you know, at 103, you have to have younger friends. Yeah, right. And I think she just, her attitude about life and about wanting to learn something new every day and um, not thinking about her age, but thinking about what she was doing. Mm -hmm. That was really what was important to her. And I think that we focus too much on a number and, um, you know, we, we forget about, I mean, I think some people have this mindset of, oh, I'm a certain age, so I can't do something. And my grandmother just never had that. She was just going to go full force until she couldn't anymore. And, um, and I see the other people in the film being very much like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We interviewed a woman today, actually, whose episode will air in a few weeks, who is uh, 91, who said that she never, ever even thought that she was old until her husband died 
uh, about three years ago. Wow. Then she realized, oh, well, he was doing certain things that I don't know how to do. So now I have to learn how to do it myself. Yeah. Yeah, But was happy to learn because she felt that, you know, you can always keep learning. Well, and I think that that's the key is to have that sense of purpose and that sense of wanting to learn something new. And I think even um, in this time, even for younger people right now, um, where they're feeling like, oh my God, I'm stuck at home. What do I do? I think if you have a sense of purpose and you have something that you want to keep learning, I think that that is helpful no matter what age you are. I think that that helps keep us going. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly is a theme uh, among the other podcast guests that we've had, people, women in their 70s, 80s, 90s, that, mm-hmm. that quest for learning to keep, keep their minds active, uh, the discovery process, being curious, mm-hmm. um, and giving back in any number of different ways. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that that's another key is giving back. Um, and you know, like all the people in the film give back in some way. And it's really, that's so lovely to see, but it also, you know, it's a gift for them, but it's also, it's a gift for the people that they're giving to in whatever way they're giving, but it's also a gift for them because they feel like they're doing something and they have a reason for being, and and we all need that. We all need that. We thank you so much for joining us today and sharing. Uh, you've been so generous with your time and, uh, we'll be posting some of the, uh, clips and and other things that they're on our facebook page so we really thank you for that too my thank you and listeners we want to hear from you please share your stories in our facebook group women over 70 aging reimagined and we look forward to hearing from you if you know a vital woman over 70 who we should interview so see you next week on women Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.